0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pink Bike Podcast. This is episode nine, and today we are talking about our upcoming cross-country field test. I'm your host, Mike Levy. I'm here with my three bosses, Brian Park. How's it going, Brian? It is going very well. Great. We also have Mike Casimir. Casimero, how are you? Hello. I'm great. Great. You rode bikes on the weekend, eh? Yeah, again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, again. Would be rare, it would be <laughs> rare the day that I say I didn't. Yeah,
0: I can't weekend. wait for the one <laughs> podcast coming up sometime in the future where you answer no yeah It'd be like a
1: tsunami or something prevent yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and in the uk taking care of news for us we
2: have james smirthwaite james how are you yeah good thanks mike great it's sunny over there
0: yeah you get your is this like your third day of sun for the year
2: yeah this is summer three three days of sun then we're done yeah <laughs> yeah it's into <laughs> all tomorrow Not i bad. like that us people in the lower mainland are talking
3: shit like in the pacific northwest are talking shit on the uk weather
0: it is so gross today. People are out there doing their eversting challenges as well in this weather. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine riding a bike for that far in this kind of stuff. Yeah, so wow. soft. Duh. So soft. So, we're going to start off this show with a question as per always. This one, worst bike buying mistake you've ever made. It could be gear, it could be an entire bike. Brian What's the dumbest thing you've ever bought bike related? The dumbest purchase is probably the Giant
3: XCX I bought. It was a really good bike, but it was a dumb purchase cuz I I got talked into buying a more XC-ish bike than what I wanted cuz I went from I had that for a very short amount of time, broke it, and then ended up getting a brody eight ball which surprisingly isn't the dumbest purchase because I, <laughs> I was hey, i have one I, of those <laughs> yeah, i was i was pedaling off of like roofs and stuff at the time like dude it shooting, feels pretty
0: dumb whenever yeah. i ride it right now
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't the giant's fault the giant was a good bike it was just a dumb purchase because it wasn't the right thing for me the worst purchase I the worst product i've ever bought was that banshee
0: scream is that the hardtail No, the Banshee Screams, the... The Morphine was the hardtail.
3: Yeah, the Morphine was the hardtail. The Scream was like, it must have had like an 800 mil
0: wheelbase. It was so short and so tall. The bottom bracket was like 20 feet in the air. Dude, that's perfect for those 90 degree skinnies. The corners, you got to stay in the skinny, you're 12 feet (laughs) in the air. Uh. And then
3: I took a perfectly good shiver off the front of it and put a Stratos S7 on it. (sighs) Ugh. Because I don't, I think I read somewhere that it was good. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So my buddy Wayne had a, a banshee morphine hardtail that he put a boxer on the front of. Classic. Yeah, yeah. That was a bad mistake. Casimir, you're up. What was your worst bike mistake?
1: It was mistake had some bikes that were not amazing but i did have a sid in 99 like that first blue sid mm-hmm. maybe 98 or 99 and that thing i only weighed like 120 pounds back then i think but it was so flexy and so scary that or like
3: five pounds less than you do know i was gonna say yeah, something <laughs> like
1: that <laughs> that was like skinny high school me and i thought it was gonna be amazing i was like i need a sid and then i bought it and it was the worst like
0: noodley it was horrible so that was bad so was i just got it the titanium foot bolts and v-brake mounts and all that yeah. crazy stuff uh-huh. ah, fancy
1: yeah what was wrong with that like I would turn corners and just felt like my handlebars are going around like three times.
0: Dude, it's forgiving. It lets <laughs> yeah. the front tire yeah. track the ground better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, amazing. I got a Z2
1: instead, and then I had a Z2, and I thought I was hot shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> James, what did, um, what did you get that you
2: regret? I regret my Iron Horse Yakuza, which is. A 2005 bike, but I bought it second hand in maybe 2013 or something, and it still had all the original parts <laughs> on. It was totally shagged, um, but it said Iron Horse on it, so I was like, well, I'm going to become Sam Hill now. But then I sold it on with the same parts about a year later, um, so sorry to whoever I sold that to. <laughs> yeah.
3: Was that your first mountain bike? Like, they, was that your introduction to mountain biking?
2: It was my first downhill bike. I rode sort of XC up to then. And then, so this was when I was a student, and people only rode downhill when I was a student. So I was like, oh, I better get into this. And I had about 300 quid to spend on it. I think mine would have to be a,
0: an aluminum club roost hardtail. And it looked like it was modeled after the old giant acid hardtail. So it had that super kinked seat tube with a super short top tube. Uh, but so the idea was when the seat was down, it was really forward and out of the way. But when it was up, it was at like the right pedaling height. But the seat angle was like, like dudes, it was like 20 degrees. And it was, the bike was way too long. I had a silo on the front of it with a, a quick release through axle. You'd pull that little thing out and flip it up and undo it. And geez. I don't know
3: that bike, but was it like the way you're describing it sounds like one of those, um, uh-huh, like the LaToy three or whatever where like the seat tube attaches to the middle of the down tube.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was exactly that. Yeah, that kind of thing. Not nearly as cool. It was way shittier than that. Like I wanna say it was like four hundred dollars retail back in, you know, two thousand and one or something like that. I kind of have a soft spot for those crazy old like the
3: evil Imperial and the the LaToy Three in those that era. I feel like that that's like peak pink bike. Uh, forums days.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, that's peak loading dock days. Yeah, all you Canadians had dual crown forks and your
0: hardtails. <laughs> Urban has been assault. Yeah, big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's move on. That's enough about our mistakes. We're going to make plenty of mistakes in the future, so we're just going to leave it at that. James, can you tell us about the news that has been on the website over the last week?
2: Sure. So we'll start with the TRP drivetrain. TRP probably best known for their brakes, but they've also been working on drivetrains recently. Um, So we saw the seven-speed downhill drivetrain. So it carries over some features from the seven-speed one, including the hall lock and the ratcheting clutch and these graphics that help with setup. So Kaz, you've had some time on this and it sounded like uh, some aspects of it weren't to your taste. Yeah, it's got all those cool features and little things to help you set it up and all that. But on the trail, it just doesn't feel as nice
1: or as refined as the stuff we're seeing from Shimano or SRAM right now. So. A little bit frustrating because I'd like to have more competition out there. It's cool to have different options. And the price, like everything kind of stacked itself against it because the price didn't help set it apart from those other ones either. Especially uh, with Dior.
3: Would the landscape have been different if it came out before Dior?
1: I don't think so because you would still had even a comparison versus XT. Uh, right. You know, it's, it's the same. It's more expensive than XT and not as good. Tell, tell me what it feels like on the trail. The amount of force it takes to shift through the gears a little bit harder it hits all the gears like it shifts fine and it's worth noting they don't make their own cassette at this point so you use any other company's cassette they recommend sram so that's what i did but yeah it's a little bit harder to shift through the gears the ratchet like the clutch mechanism it doesn't really it clutches firmly but then it kind of seems like it wants to release so like as your bike goes through you hit a big bump and it pulls on the
0: uh, is it a falling rate clutch it kind of is it can make a noise though i have it listen oh cool can you hear that on the trail
1: uh, sometimes not too much but that's what it sounds like but it it just it's kind of finicky like you have to you can adjust the clutch which is cool but it's either it can be too loose or too tight and it's hard to find the sweet spot mm. so i don't know it's i'm glad they're making it but it just doesn't seem the timing's a little off and i'm not sure who will
0: purchase it i have one very important question what does trp stand for tectro racing products or something okay levy thought he was gonna stump you but that yeah come on. yeah i knew i was just t- i was just quizzing you yeah how does the hall lock thing work
1: that's another feature that is not going to be as applicable to all all frame designs basically but it's just this lock this little mechanism on the top that when you it basically locks your b-knuckle to the derailleur hanger so that the derailleur can't rotate clockwise that that used to be a big deal because they would smash into your pivot all the time so yeah so it makes it so your derailleur can't rotate clockwise some frame designs it would never hit anything but it's designed to make it quieter but you can actually turn it off if you want there's a little set screw so you could have it be like a normal derailleur but i mean it's another feature everything's kind of designed to help it be quiet and work well but again i don't know how necessary that is because on most derailleurs these days i haven't found that to be an issue so
3: you didn't have it any like uh, chain retention issues like some other i saw some other sites had some
1: Actual yeah, pump, I didn't. I didn't have any it drop on. chains. No, I didn't have any drop chains. But I definitely uh, fussed around with that clutch to find like the perfect sweet spot a bit, just because it is a little bit finicky. So, so it's easy to mess it up. Yeah, yeah. It takes like an eighth of it. There's two screws on the backside, and an eighth of a turn is all it needs to make it like way tighter than it was before, or way looser. So. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know.
0: Damn damn yeah, in need of some refinement. I want to see a third party here, like a third real option. Like the Rotor thing is cool, this you know TRP it sounds interesting. But is there a third real option? Definitely not. I don't think so. Yeah, we've seen no. Microshift out there too, yeah. but it's it's hard to I mean, you know,
1: those bigger companies do have massive R&D and
3: Microshift at least, at least is, seems viable on the low end and they they at least mm-hmm. are coming with a at least until Dior showed up. They kind of had a Like a claim to a part of the the market that wasn't being addressed, Mm -hmm. but now, yeah, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, it's It's really hard to get in
0: there. Someone just needs to come up with that gearbox, eh? (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) Everybody, calm down. God, we'll get to that.
2: We also saw uh, an update to the Cannondale um So this has been in Cannondale's lineup since two thousand and one, and it's always been a sort of full suspension XC bike for them. Previous versions have been fairly experimental. We've seen some with lefty forks, some with electronic uh, lockout suspension. This one is
3: so regular looking, hey! It Looks yeah, good, but then you look closer.
2: Look closer though, and it's not so much. It's got a through
1: axle that has a big cut in the chainstay. Do you see that? The drive or the non-drive side chain stays open. It's got those flex stays. It's pretty different when you look yeah. closer. But yeah, the
0: overall silhouette does look yeah. Good. I sure like yeah, the one. old one. I spent a ton of time on the previous version of this that what do they call it like the SXC or something or <laughs> XCX. XC, yeah, XCX whatever. <laughs> anyways. No, it's not it's I don't remember if that's what it is. <laughs> but anyways, the point is it was a great little XC bike. Yeah, and we've got the the latest one here, so I'm excited to to ride that thing.
1: What's the new version of that lefty called, baby? You reviewed that?
0: Ocho. The latest Ocho.
1: Ocho, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think some come with Ocho, but the one that Dan Sapp was on had the new Sid on it. And That's kind of the SE version. It's a little bit longer travel, like one twenty mils versus hundred for the full kind of race version.
3: The the idea of having a a flex pivot in the chainstay that's that's new, right? Like we've no. seen lots of flex stays before in the seat stays, but have we seen it on the chainstay before?
0: Yep, people oh, did yeah, flexing. It yeah. Who's
3: done a flex stay on the on the
0: chainstay before?
1: And there's been hardtails that have that. It's usually more of a single pivot design thing and it's found on the seat stay.
0: So it's a little different. They did it on the. It's a flexed horse there. flex horse
1: link. Yeah. Florks link. Florks, florks link. Florks
3: <laughs> link. <laughs> Do you guys think that that makes a difference having it on the chain stay versus the seat stay? Like it's such a little, well, it seems like such a small change.
0: They're effectively changing where it's pivoting. Like you wouldn't say that if it was an actual pivot. Mm hmm. And it was on the chainstay or it was on the seat stay, I mean, that makes a difference in how the suspension reacts. So, yeah, I would imagine it does make a difference. I would hope so. It's so close to in line, though. Anyways, curious to
3: see how it goes.
2: We also saw uh, Bontrager with a new waysail helmet. So, previously, we saw the Blaze, um, which was what they uh, released with to, to great fanfare just over a year ago. And this is a cheaper option. So, the Blaze was $300, and this new rally is $149.99. Have any of you guys tried one of these wave cell helmets? And can you tell the difference from MIPS? Definitely can't tell the difference
1: between wave cell and MIPS because it's just how, like, you'd have to, I don't know how you would tell the difference.
3: Well, we'll put you, we'll take a controlled <laughs> environment, we'll
1: get a sledgehammer. Yeah, if you smash <laughs> in my head. Yeah.
3: We'll see how many, yeah. I think first we should really mention how uh, how you pronounced Bond to Rager. I like that.
2: Was <laughs> it meant to be?
0: No, wait! I don't no, tell him how it is. No, James, exactly. Say it again. Say it again.
2: It's Bontrager.
0: <laughs> James, pronounce it for us. B- Bontrager. I mean, no, My let's man, leave it. I'm so happy, James is mispronouncing words, and I'm not the only one. Sanction. <laughs> 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 They're gonna come back
3: to us and tell us that that's actually how you do pronounce it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keith, Keith Bontrager. It's Bontrager long tracker uh, but yeah now you can get that wave cell technology in a cheaper helmet so it's half the price of the other one before kids helmet too and the kids yeah they got a kids version also again it's just another thing designed to help reduce the absorption that energy that happens when you hit the ground especially at an angle and you know they've done tests and it's they've done tests and that Virginia Tech has done tests as well as far as it being better or worse than say MIps or uh, pox spin technology that's definitely open for debate and those companies have kind of battled it out in different press releases saying one's better than the other but you know, i will I say definitively that wavecell is sweatier mm. yeah it's, it, it tends to be a bit heavier too cuz <clears throat> you're using those just the structure it, it takes up more room than like a mips liner or spin pads so.
3: they all they all seem to say in their press releases that they're not sweatier and he- and warmer and the coroid folks um, when they were using when the smith folks were using that went over and above to show all this stuff about how how it's not warmer but i still find it warmer that means it's th- warmer yeah i think also maybe i'm just like not fast enough <laughs> so it doesn't like like when you're cl- when i'm cl- spinning out at two kilometers an hour up the fire road it's like the helmet's is just like what do i do with this
1: Yeah. And again, with like with helmets, it just kind of depends on fit too. like this one didn't fit me that well. I think it fit Dan. All right. So, you know, you just got to try them and see what works best for your head. But good to see development, different technologies coming out. Eventually, maybe they'll figure out some magic solution to keep our brain safe. But I think that's a ways off. Virtual. It's all video games. Yeah. Yeah, you don't go outside, your brain will be safer.
3: Yeah.
2: Levi, you got your hands on the ShockTune app this week. Yeah. Um, so this uses your phone's accelerometer, right, to sort of measure the, the, the forces that your, your bike's transferring.
0: The idea is you, you mount the phone solidly onto your bike, and the accelerometer measures how much the bike is displaced vertically and how quickly it's displaced. So the idea is the better your suspension is, the less your bike will be displaced, and it will be displaced slower. So yeah, so I downloaded this app, and then your accelerometer measures three different axes. Or do I say axe eye, Casimir? <laughs> axes. You say <see> Bontrager. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't say Bontrager, but I do say stanchions. <laughs> <laughs> so the X and the Y and the Z. I don't know. Somebody will, somebody will tell me that I messed those up. But uh, so basically, I made this solid mount, mounted it on the handlebar, and I wrote over. I just put a two by four on the road and I did it with some different suspension settings. And yeah, it works. It tells you like when the fork was set quite a bit firmer, the bike is displaced upwards quicker and uh, more. And when you open the fork up, the app shows that the suspension works better.
1: I think that you're being too nice to it, though. It's kind of a, it's, it doesn't really tell you anything. Like, <laughs> you, you know, all it tells you is like that your fork moved differently when you hit the two by four. Yeah. You can't use it off road. It
0: doesn't work off road. Yes.
1: Yep. I mean, it's free. So that's cool. But that's kind of all it has going for it. Sorry, Mr app developer you're on to something Jeez, but it needs Kaz more. drank
0: his haterade this morning what I just don't know you're going
1: to tell these people to put it they're going to make this mount they're I didn't tell anybody
0: four. to do anything first you off said it, worked. <laughs> you said yeah, it and worked it does yeah. it works as advertised yes it does it shows that you ran over a 2 by 4 yeah, it shows. How does that help you set up your suspension? Casmer, did you did you read the article or go to the I link? I read it a bunch. Yeah, yeah I know. You, you had to fix all my mistakes.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thanks, Cas.
1: Yeah. But if I'm a confused consumer, I've got this new fancy fork with all these dials and things. I want to know how to make my fork better. And I set this thing up and run over a two by
0: four in my driveway. Then what's next? No, see, that's, I mean, obviously, you, you'd want to go out to <laughs> the trail. <laughs> but I can't. It doesn't work off road. Yeah, it's not ideal. So the thing is, because of the accelerometer on the phone or inside your phone, you can't be hitting bumps before you hit the one bump that you want to use to set your suspension up. Here, Casimir, why do you got to be such a grouch about this? I just think that (laughs) it's it's a neat thing, and it's free, and I put it on my bike, and I farted around with it for like three hours, and it's pretty cool. I like
1: it. But there are things that exist. I mean, you've got the motion instruments. That's probably telling you a that's bunch of
0: that's a stuff. whole. That's a whole. Yeah, that tells me so much. I don't even know. Yeah, what's you're probably confused yet. there too. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but I just think that making it seem like it's a, I don't know the the way it's it's being marketed as something that will help you when it doesn't do anything. It just tells I, you it's that not you're being
0: corporate. it's not being marketed at all. First off, it's just a guy who made this app. It's free. He knows the limitations. Brian really wants to chime in here. Brian,
3: yeah, I do. Brian. I do. I just feel like we're. We can't be that harsh on a thing that somebody's messing around with to try and add to add to our collective understanding of things. And who cares that it's not going to do anything today? You know, what if we can take the data from this at some point
0: and develop build off of it? Like there's probably something we can do with this at some point. So his name is Ryan Luders and he's also working on some other stuff to go along with this app like you can measure how long you're in the air and and all that kind of stuff. He's doing some neat things. And yeah, you know what? It's not Shockwiz and it's obviously not a multi-thousand dollar data acquisition kit. But I think if you are you're interested in suspension and you just want to see the differences, it's a pretty neat thing to mess around with. You know, you put it on your bike, fart around with it for a few hours and I don't know, see some stuff. You can see a difference with different setups. Yeah, 100%. so
3: At some point, we'll be able to understand what that data is doing.
2: (laughs) Yes. So we spoke a few weeks ago about um, the Milliards sort of making a bit of a social media resurgence. And uh, we've seen why now they're back with an updated version of their HyperRide Shock. We first saw this in sort of the mid-2000s, and Alan's son, Stephen, was racing on it as, as part of that Milliard bike um, and they've come back with a new version so similar to the last one it still works on that sort of oleo system which we also saw nitro shocks have a go at recently Um, you know it's still kind of high pressure shock with um, nitrogen or argon in it do we expect to see this one stick around this time no 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 this is another <laughs> we will not see it i like that you said they
3: when it's just alan doing a cool thing in his, well, his son. Yeah. Well,
0: son yeah two people yeah. Yeah, I, I love the idea of people doing cool stuff in the garage obviously but I've ridden the nitro shocks version of this thing and it was very strange very weird it didn't have any rebound damping and like I, I don't know I'm not convinced yeah yeah I'd like to ride this thing someday
1: but I don't think it's gonna we'll ever see it but it looks very cool yeah it's good quarantine content
3: <laughs> if kaz isn't actively riding he's mad yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do we need to like set this up to remotely you can just call in from the trail <laughs> yeah the trail <laughs> just be pedaling
2: uh dan uh roberts put up one another behind the numbers articles this time the uh norco site does this track with what you guys have felt riding this bike
1: yeah it uh it did i rode that bike like a month ago It was on it for a few months and, it, and like again it's just cool to see the numbers that dan's coming up up with to match basically what i felt on the trail kind of see the curves and things and we usually look at those at some point during our review as well just so we kind of match our impressions to the numbers and see that if something is off if there's an explanation for it and this one kind of yeah it was right in line with what i experienced on that bike so
3: cool to see it's interesting how close those curves are the similarities between the between the you know horse link four bar site and and that
1: comments all Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does show you can, I mean, especially these days, they're getting, you know, it used to be that a single pivot was kind of right away, people like, oh, it's a single pivot, it's going to be bad, but that's definitely not the case anymore. And they've, people have figured out pivot placements and ways to make things kind of work exactly the way they'd like. So
3: A link driven single pivot, you can do a lot with these days.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Going to videos. I think the best thing I saw this week uh, was Claudio Clory trying to keep up with Nino Schurter. So if you haven't watched it, this was Nino on his XC race bike, um, Claudio Clory on a a Turbo Levo, like a pretty hardcore e bike. Um, Levy, did you get some flashbacks of being dropped by Nino?
0: I I don't think people understand how good this guy is. <laughs> like he's so good, <laughs> up, down, around, everywhere. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get you a Nino body pillow. Yeah, I think I need one. <laughs> yeah, I would take one.
1: <laughs> he's crazy good. And he's cornering in this video. It's worth watching just to see insane bike handling. And he crashes once too because he's just goofing off. So mm. it's good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'll yeah, watch it. It's, there's like these super tight switchbacks and he gets these really nice drifts and it's it's great. He knows how to ride. If yeah, anybody if, had any doubts.
2: <laughs> if you still think uh, XC World Cup riders are just roadies in disguise, then this will change your mind, I think.
3: I think every time around... we post something on you know somebody says he would he would dominate EWS do you guys still think that's the case no definitely not
1: I don't think he would dominate I'd love to see him get in there and see how it would go especially on a more like physical course but it's a different world these days in in enduro those guys are riding downhill courses on little bikes basically but
0: um, I mean yeah it'd be cool to see Nino in there I just don't think we ever will I think that you know he could have shown up showing up at EWS 2009 and done something you know there
1: was no
3: EWS.
0: (laughs) he definitely would have won that one yeah yeah.
3: (laughs) it would have been both both first and last
0: yeah i know this but you know what i'm saying things have things have progressed it's a such a different sport now
3: watch after this fred glow is gonna call me and be like actually there was ews it was we ran it in port de soleil in 2006
2: and it was the first one
0: everybody smoked and wore body armor
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Last story then, uh, a lot of people are doing Everest in at the moment. So we saw USXC champion Keegan Swenson set the men's record. He beat Phil Gaiman by 12 minutes. And the women's record was absolutely smashed by Katie Hall. who beat the previous record by two and a half hours. So yeah, some pretty impressive uh, rides going down in in lockdown. Yeah, I guess we should probably
1: explain what Everest is since everybody doesn't know that. Basically, you have to climb the amount of vertical that Mount Everest is. In less than 24 hours, and you have to use there's different rules, but basically you have to use the same loop. So a lot of these involve doing you know 30,000 vert, which equals you know 30 laps on some course somewhere, which is mind melting. I assume I haven't that done that Everest. Horrible. That sounds yeah.
3: horrible. So you
1: can't just do no. Typically, like for the real Everest, you have to do one loop as your as the loop that you do, and you have to do it multiple times
0: to get that number. That's how you'd want to do it, though. If like if you were actually setting out to go do this Everest thing, Brian, and not do a bike ride, mm-hmm. you have to do that. Yeah, you I mean, have thirty thousand right vert grade. Bike ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it's like some guy did it on the North Shore. He did Espresso, however many times it takes to do um, to do thirty one thousand vert, oh. and that means he climbed up Mountain Highway and then up the From. Like it's ridiculous if anyone's ever ridden that. It's he did he did an Everesting on Espresso. Yeah. Oh, that is painful. Yeah, I'll send you his Strava. Thanks, so you can look. It, it's. I mean, it's an interesting thing to see what people are doing and where they choose to do it because there's some crazy ones. So
0: like, I
3: don't think I would choose espresso.
0: I did Rupert twenty times and it got me uh, like nine thousand feet of elevation. So just round it up. So let's just say it, got, it gets me ten thousand <laughs> feet of elevation. Twenty laps. Yeah, I need to 60 do Rupert. sixty Ruperts.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god yeah it's crazy i mean there's a climb here that this guy did one here it took him 26 laps and it's a trail that i'll ride and i think the most i've ever done is three laps on it because after that you have like six thousand 000 vert and you're like i'm good and he did 26 laps on it so people are wild yeah, yeah it's crazy i like I that people, people. Are doing these yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> people yeah. Are, do these
3: shit. these records are these records are obviously on the road
1: yeah. no no well, not all of them espresso's not on the road
3: obviously you know these right yeah keegan
1: and katie yeah. those are both yeah. on the road and those are ridiculous too because they're like sub eight hours i don't know the like, times but
0: yeah it's i think katie's insane. is nine something or just over 10 i think yeah 10 something yeah but yeah. yeah either way when you
1: calculate it out it's a lot of effort for a lot
0: of long time jesus yeah. oh that is so horrible speaking of a lot of effort for a long time <laughs> we also good are doing way. cross-country field test
3: hey guys i just had a really good idea for the tests we're gonna do for the field test mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. everest every bike yeah, every bike leave <laughs> you have to everest every bike
0: i do love climbing but not that much no Remember i would like bird to bird? do an everest thing one day casimir would you do it with me? yeah
1: uh i would fuck I'd, you I'd, up. i would do one if we just set a date. i'll everest on that day you have to do it with me
0: here. No, I don't want to hang out
1: with you for like 10 hours. I got to do this wow. by myself. Well, <laughs> you could start like a la- half a lap.
0: I don't know.
1: It could be hard. Everest seems like a solo thing because going... You do it with pacers long.
0: and stuff. You get people to to show up and they ride like yeah. the first three hours with you and they go at a slower pace so you don't be a If you challenge me to do an Everest
1: and you did it on a day, I'll do it.
0: Like, But I want to do it with you on the same day on the same course together. Levy we seems like he's going <laughs> to feed off each go, other's enemy. Just,
3: He's gonna just go at the at the end.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna raise. I will do
1: it. Like I won't race, though. Like you're trying to beat me, or so we you'll just both us. try to get the goal. I don't know. We can do this. <laughs> Once the border opens, I'll come up there. We'll go numbers. Mike versus
3: Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. All right. Peer pressure worked. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first year of the field test, Levi, and you were like just dead set on doing Dark Crystal and as your test loop, and then. By, like, day four,
0: you were just dying? Well, I just wanted to actually clarify some of that. I was dead set on doing a mountain bike ride. I was a little more focused on having a good ride on, like, an mm-hmm. amazing trail mm-hmm. than thinking ahead and thinking, like, okay, hey, I got to climb. It's 2,500 feet. Was it, it was 2,500 feet a lap? Is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I
1: think so. <laughs> thinking,
3: it was I think a lot I, be doing four yeah. laps a day for... Two weeks. It was
0: it was two laps a day. I ended up with five thousand feet a day for every day for two weeks, except for one day. I took I took one day off. Yeah, I was very tired. So basically, everyone, we're getting back to this field test stuff, and this time around, it's going to be cross country bikes. We're going to do cross country race bikes, a group of cross country race bikes, and we're going to do a group of some people might call them down country bikes. Think of it as like new school cross-country. Uh, originally, it was an Olympic year, um, and so there's a bunch of new XC stuff out. So that's the idea here.
3: So for the tester, testers, we've got Sarah, who actually has raced World Cup, um, and Levy, who once... I think you were fast once.
0: Uh, fast a long set. time ago, I was a long fast time once. ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. too <laughs> much candy these days.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's you'll be a valid tester because you need all the help you can get.
1: I do,
2: I do.
3: And kaz let's talk a bit about we can't talk about all the bikes that we have coming but let's talk about a couple
1: so for the cross-country ones we've got a canyon luxe not a new bike for this year obviously but seen some impressive results under matthew Vanderpool, so it's doing well in the world cup
3: yeah that comes from that comes from a lot of folks in the comments of previous field tests have said like hey what about this bike from last year like these base sort of baseline bikes and i think that that, I think that's a good idea if we can if we can do it we should it you know the Lux is a bike that has won been it's been successful it's pretty regular so to be able to judge about like is the are the new things actually better I think it's good to have a baseline in there
1: yeah exactly We also got that brand new scalpel Cannondale scalpel that we just talked about so that obviously is worthy of inclusion and we have a Trek super caliber so that bike came out last year we featured it a little bit but again it's kind of so wild and kind of so different looking that we thought we would stick it in here and see how it stacks up against the others see how you know it's got 60 millimeters of travel in the back so kind of see how it does against these other slightly longer travel
0: full suspension bikes because that's the same amount of travels that sid you had back in
1: 1998
0: mm-hmm. it's true anyways moving on <laughs> hopefully <laughs> <Yeah>. it's better <laughs> hopefully yeah. it's better I, I have a
1: feeling it will be uh and then and then we've got a secret special guest bike in the xc that we can't talk about yet and then moving out of the downcountry category we really can't talk about most of the bikes there. There's a bunch of stuff coming out, which is cool, but we just can't tell you yet. That Cannondale Scalpel SE will be in there, though, for sure, because it'd be kind of fun to compare that longer travel one versus the shorter travel one. Yeah, and then three or four other cool bikes that are coming out soon.
0: So we're also, we're also getting a couple interesting baseline bikes in here as well. Uh, a hardtail, so we're going to get a, a pure XC race hardtail. We're going to try to get a Kona 111. It's sort of the original downcountry bike. Things have moved on. We know this. Uh, but for some perspective, it'd be interesting to compare these two bikes. And then, completely. I'd be so out- curious. I would be so curious to see what twenty what year did that come out?
3: 2012, 2013? 2012, yeah. I think. Somebody's yeah. going to tell us in the yeah. comments. I think We're it's wrong. 2013, but yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Anyway. To see, yeah, like what's it, what
0: have seven or eight years done? Yeah. I remember it feeling so wild when I originally rode that bike. Mm-hmm. So so, anyways, we're going to get that thing in. And then we're also going to have a specialized enduro in. Now, we know that's not an XC bike, obviously, but we have it here for some perspective, especially when it comes to the efficiency test. So Brian, explain to people how we're doing some of this testing. I mean, on top of the regular testing,
3: uh, general ridings where you're going to Get most of your impressions, but we are going to do a, a little bit of science and then also a little bit of just bro science. um The efficiency test, we're just going to do a ma- match power up a fire rod. We'll use those SRM power meter, pe- meter pedals. So the idea, Brian, pedals. we're going to hold the same power up mm-hmm. the hill, and I, we've still got to we've still got to make uh prove this out. But I think we were talking about like. N- 85 or 90 percent of of your ftp
0: yeah like a threshold effort up the hill for a certain
3: amount of time and and you want to do it open and i think that that does make sense like with the suspension open levy doesn't get to complain about about lockout levers this time around Mm -hmm. but we do want to know which of these suspension designs is the most efficient even though you wouldn't leave your bike unlocked on a on a fire road climb Leaving it unlocked for the test for on efficiency will still tell you if it's better on rolling terrain. Like the more you can get away with not locking
0: your bike out on up and down terrain, on flat terrain,
3: the better. So
0: yeah, and I mean we're doing the efficiency <laughs> test open because we know they're efficient when they're locked out. It's going to be curious to see how the, some of the the
3: some of the different systems. Like, I do wonder about that super caliber with Mm -hmm. just 60 mils. Is it going to, how's it going to do compared to the scalpel? Well,
0: how's the hardtail going to do compared to the full suspension bikes? How is that enduro going to do? I know, Casimir, you and I argue a lot about enduro bikes and climbing and what we should expect from them. And Mm -hmm. this is going to be interesting to see. How much do you actually lose? Yep. Yeah.
3: Um, we'll also do a stiffness to weight test. I'm still working on the details of that. It's such a challenge to. The stiffness to weight test.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. very German. It's a good thing <laughs> yeah. you speak German, Brian. Yeah. It's good <laughs> Deutsch. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it's just, it is so hard to go. You don't want to go full lab because it's by the time you get from, you know, stripping the frame down to nothing and, and, which type of displacement are you talking about? There's so many different things. It gets a bit mind-melting. And we want to do a bit more
0: real-world side of things. So I'm working on it. We'll see what that shakes out to be. And then, of course, we're also going to have our timed loop. Uh, we use Freelap for this. And the loop will have a timed uphill section, of course. We're doing cross-country bikes. And it will have a timed downhill section. It's a local trail here that is perfect For this kind of stuff. Uh, It's definitely got some roots and some rocks on it, but it's not anything ridiculous. It's perfect for XC bikes, trail bikes. Should be good times.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing. People, they see the word Squamish because that's where this will be taking place. Like, oh, it's going to be rowdy. These guys are going to do the wrong thing. They're going to huck them. Like cross country needs to be this. Well, we are still going to do that. Well, yeah, but but for people that haven't been, Squamish does have some great cross country trails. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these bikes need to be well-rounded. So we're not, you know, the bike park's not open, but if it was, we wouldn't be judging them on how they handle like goat's gully or something so it is going to be for the people that are worried it is going to be an xc loop we are,
0: gonna, we are going we are going to have our two usual bro science tests in here of course so we're going to do the impossible climb this one is because they're xc bikes brian i think this is going to have to be extra impossible right yeah it yeah. is yeah. yeah absolutely like i do not need i can't clean this climb you definitely can't clean this clean this climb it's got to be real impossible yeah casimir bitter. this is where we'll use those tricky
1: downhill trails you'll just have to climb up them
0: yeah well that's what i like to do we we'll anyway. close them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then of course we're gonna do the huck to flat uh i'm personally not doing the huck to flat Somebody else can do that but uh no it's gonna be you no my ankles will implode <laughs> they're sore just thinking about it
3: and i think we're gonna i think we're, we said 10 or 12
0: feet to uphill just just to change it up this time yeah yeah definitely yeah so Casmer, what do you think is going to come of this? Do you have any predictions? You're going to be tired
1: after the end of the two weeks of testing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's a cool, it'll be just a good way to illustrate how good bikes have gotten, especially those. I mean, I'm more excited about the downcountry bikes because those are kind of the ones that if I was going to have a, a bike in my shed, it'd be something more like that rather than a full-on XC race bike. Mm-hmm. I like a light bike, you know, short travel, snappy, but I'd like to be able to get away with some silly things too without needing to be on the edge all the time. So I'm more right. excited about that category.
0: Are you bummed that you're not going to be helping us in wearing spandex, the sausage suit I, with me?
1: I am bummed. I wouldn't be wearing spandex because I don't think there's a need for people that aren't in between the race tape to wear spandex, but that's a different topic. Oh my God. Yeah. Chasm. You have to be aerodynamic in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really still about no, efficiency, Chasm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I unfortunately, I can't cross the border to test these bikes with you, so I will be bummed.
0: I'm excited to see the XC bikes versus the kind of new school XC bikes, especially in the mm-hmm. climbing category. You and I, like I said, we always argue about the climbing stuff. And I I don't see how these slacker, more relaxed things can be as quick up the hills. They just take more effort. That'll be interesting. And we've got four bikes that we can't talk about here that are under embargoes. And all four of them are exciting, so...
1: Yeah, that's going to be good. Coming into a good time for those style bikes. So anyone out there that's considering this kind of down country ish bike, there's going to be lots of cool options out there.
0: All right, so let's move on to reader questions here. And the first one is going to be from PB user, not sorry. Uh, he says, "Yes, you have a vested interest in change. Why has the change been so focused on?" faster lately. There's more to this activity than just going faster, he says. Uh there's little to no lifestyle pieces. Bikes that are portrayed as being slower, he says, are inferior. What do you guys say to that? I'm not quite sure where he's getting at, but well, this I, is about the
3: this is a the wheel, wheel size, size thing, right? Yeah, I think oh, he's oh,
0: he's yeah. just like, hey, why is it always
3: about these bikes? Yeah. Why is they, faster? He's on your he's on team kaz with wheel uh, sets. Yeah. Like why is why is fast better rather than wise? Well, I get why fast is better. better.
1: I don't know if that's necessarily... But yeah, like, I mean, if you're going to make something, you would hope that it would be faster. If you're looking at racing applications, right? Like, be, well, rare be that somebody would make a bike that's better, slower.
0: More capable. Yeah. It doesn't just... If it's faster, it's probably more capable as well. And it's probably made your life easier, which mm-hmm. is why you buy a new bike
1: yeah it could be rare that'd be like this bike's slower i'm gonna buy that one
0: his point is that there's
3: more to this act to mountain biking than just being fast and i i agree but i disagree because as much as people act like it isn't i don't know they'd like to beat their buddies down the hill even if you're not like i've never i've never raced a mountain i've raced bmx i've never raced mountain bikes in my life and i'm still pissed if somebody just destroys me descending yeah i mean yeah, exactly. <laughs> I set myself up for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was true. It's softball. Yeah. I, mean, yeah no, I, just have to, I just have to buy a 26 inch bike, so I've got an excuse all the time.
1: Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, sorry, guys. I would have totally won if I'd been on a 29er. Yeah. 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 All yeah.
1: right. No, he's, he's, yeah. We'll put more lifestyle pieces up for you. Not sorry. Yeah. some links.
0: Uh, next, next question comes from Cheddar420 with the great username and the terrible question. He says, I like this place, but why do you keep trying to have a negative effect on the industry via new labels and buzzwords for old products? He says, I was under the impression your job was to report, not to market new product categories and test public acceptance. He goes on to say, at a certain point, you aren't journalists, but an extension of the bike industry advertising arm, blah, blah, blah. If you're going to continue to use this site to test the community's acceptance of new marketing terminology, you can't be called journalists. So here's the thing. He says he's under the impression our job is to report not to make new product categories. So Trek, one of the world's largest bike companies, is out there experimenting with new, well, new-ish. They're experimenting with different and uncommon wheel sizes. That is a story that we need to talk about. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't talk about Trek doing this. It's that that simple. And he says, uh, what does he say here? Something about testing new marketing terminology. You my know, check
3: hasn't cleared. My yeah. check hasn't cleared.
0: <laughs> yeah. All that down country money just funneling right into my bank account. <laughs> Anyways, does anybody else have any add to that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
1: yeah, the guys just being silly. I don't know. I don't think that it's I don't understand how you would negatively impact like we're still talking about bikes and goofing off in the woods. So, I don't
3: I understand people's frustration with new and different stuff. I don't understand why people are bummed when stuff evolves and changes because the stuff you have today is still really good it's like when people were upset that that uh rock Sharks improved the their air spring you know it's like it's still really good what you bought is still really good it's no worse today than it was yesterday when you hadn't heard of the the new thing so i don't know
0: i i think it's frustration you know people they like the gear and they like the stuff but It's a big turnoff when you get the gear and you get the stuff and all of a sudden the gear and the stuff is not the the greatest or not the best. I mean, on the other hand, you don't need any of this stuff to go mountain biking, Cheddar 420. All right, moving on. We got 49th Biker. His question, are there World Cup rules limiting wheel size? He's referencing the UCI. Does the UCI have rules against weird wheel sizes james
2: not not anymore so before this year there was a rule that you couldn't have different sized wheels so you couldn't have done the mullet thing before this year but uh and that that comes from track cycling where they used to have a really huge rear wheel and a really tiny front wheel so you'd be in a lower sort of aero position but obviously it was it was showing that that wouldn't really make much of a difference in mountain biking so they they lifted that rule this year so on the road side they do have a lot of sort of rules around the development of bikes i think you can't go under I think it's like six point eight kilos or something for the whole bike, and there's some geometry specifications as well. But in mountain biking, there, yeah, they're they're pretty open about it. I think the only rule is you can't have drop bars, but apart from that, you can you can do whatever you want, really. Damn it! They ruled out drop bars. Oh,
0: John <laughs> Tomax. Yes. John Tomax. I <laughs> cry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> got to ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. The next one comes from the Gru. We've had the Gru before, haven't we? He's got some good questions. He's very inquisitive. He is. I like it. Uh he says, Will professional downhill ever turn into a big guy's sport like basketball? He says, I see that people five foot two can't ride 36-inch wheels. And if bigger is faster, future generations of downhill riders could look like an NBA team. The guru makes a point, doesn't he? It's a good I, question.
1: Yeah, I don't see it going that way. It's kind of just because of and what we've seen in the last couple of years with the switch to 29-inch wheels, everyone or there was a fair number of people that thought 20 hours would come and those would win every single race. But we've kind of seen the mullet bikes do just fine. Um, and that's allowed the shorter riders to still keep up with the the taller riders. You know, you get like a, a Troy Brosnan versus Menar type thing. And I, yeah, I don't see that height. I don't see it happening, but you never know. i see the well, Advantage being taller for sure. Mm-hmm. But then the, the tree branches might hit your head, so they could just make the courses have tree branches at a certain height. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: wow no there's for sure you've got longer levers you
2: you've got more suspension in your arms and legs these bigger wheels are, are travel limited from what we know so far right like some of the smaller guys are already struggling with the 29 rear wheel in downhill and travis said you know he's looking at like 120 sort of max for this so you know that's that's kind of way off downhill territory i think
3: there's also you know there's a a strength to weight advantage for smaller riders on more fitness focused sides of mountain biking. So I could see in a a couple of years having, especially if courses keep straightening out, I could see downhill being more about tall riders and the XC sides I thing more about smaller riders, but I don't know. There's lots of outliers to that. Yeah.
0: I think everybody has advantages and disadvantages everywhere, you know, Deep thoughts from Mike Levy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's Jesus. different. Everybody's special. <laughs> Everybody's a special flower. Let's move on. <laughs> so we got another one from the Gru. This is another good one. I like this guy. Uh, he says, do you think they will move the free wheel from the rear, from the rear wheel into the bottom bracket? I know it would never work with two by 11, but with a working chain guide before the chain ring. He only sees advantages. He says weight goes from unsprung mass in the back wheel towards the center of the bike. Uh, You can shift without pedaling, all those sorts of things. And this is something that we actually have seen before, haven't we?
2: Yeah, Paul uh, Aston tested the HXR Easy Shift, I think it's called, last year. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, I think he described it as it, it works, but it's not groundbreaking or something along those lines yeah. so yeah it exists you can buy it if you want to give it a, a shot and we can post a link to, to Paul's review as well
1: just make sure you tuck your pants in because it keeps rotating while you're coasting so you have a moving chain ring next to your pant leg so that's a thing
0: <laughs> next question is alex ptdmg oh this is alex from sedona i know alex this is the um he races cars as well hey alex he says question for next week what is the latest update with the Pink Bike Academy Academy? It's a go. We are just finalizing
3: uh, when we're able to do it. And we're, we're kind of having to make a decision about whether or not it's going to be Canadians, people in Canada only, or people in North America only, or people worldwide. And we're just getting some clarity on which of those we're going to be able to do later this year. But it looks like things are opening up and um, I can say that we are going to, uh, it's going to be going to big white taking place at big white which is sweet folks who have applied the ones that are up the the short list will be being contacted very soon
0: what are we looking at for do we have dates are we still figuring out dates for that still figuring out dates because
3: it's going to be as things open up we have to figure out which one of the options is going to work best because it there are some really 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 good applicants uh globally yeah. yo so, so good if can we can I, get some of the folks can over i the shout border? out
0: one guy or no i don't think i can yeah. Can I?
3: you can shout out one guy yeah sure
0: vlad the king <laughs> yes Vlad. very the king. impressive showing <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, so he's good. coming to steal all our girlfriends win this win the pb academy yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> we'll get
3: you a vlad body pillow too levy
0: yeah <laughs> Um, So yeah, stay tuned. Okay, so now that we have complained and moaned about some mean comments over the weekend, we're going on to a section that we like to call comment gold. Uh, It's exactly what it sounds. It's the funniest comments. It's the best comments. Maybe it's the most thought-provoking comments. Uh, so the first one is from a guy, hill climber. He says, oh no, a company is merely testing out something you'll never have to buy if you don't want to. The whore. How could someone disrespect a hobby like that? Hey, can anybody guess what article this comment was on? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like that you said you were going to be less salty and then the first comment gold
0: you give out is just somebody who agrees with your salt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it makes me smile. I feel less salty about it. We've got the Gru back again for another one. We're going to have to not have this guy in the comments for a couple weeks. He's had his fill. He says, I want to apologize to everyone who had their weekends ruined. He asked, why is 29 inch the limit uh, after the first podcast? And we kind of saw that and was like... Brian, didn't you see that? And you're like, hey, I wonder why. That's why I asked. Yeah, That's why I went out and asked, yeah.
3: Yeah, so so blame the group.
0: apologizing. We're not sorry, though. No. Uh, And Jazzbone says, Kenny Powers put it best. He says, I play real sports. I don't try to be the best at exercising. That was a comment under my XC explainer video. (laughs) He's not wrong.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. i'll do this next one this is from outlaw 502 he directed at me and he said he just googled skateboard wheel sizes and they do actually come in different sizes apparently the standards are from 48 millimeters to 68 millimeters which by his math is the exact same ratio as 26 inch to 32.5 inches uh, it's not but um who knew i, I did yeah <laughs> but yeah i was wrong i i mean i knew there were different uh skateboard wheel sizes but apparently there's more of a range than i
0: knew about All right. So the last comment is one that really speaks to me. It's from PB user Friendly Foe. And he says, trying to keep up with Nino on a climb seems like an acceptable use for an e-bike. Having ridden with Nino, if I had an e-bike, I would still have to work very hard. I think I might be able to keep up with that monster. Do you think you keep up with him, Casimir, on an e-bike?
1: On an e-bike, I, I could. Yeah, that's the only way.
0: Yeah. So if See, you, and it's
1: also the only acceptable use of an e-bike. Otherwise, agree. There isn't one. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. So if an, you, you have
0: to, e-bike gives you an extra 250 watts, right? Nino's putting out. You know, he could hold 250 watts all day. You could hold 250 watts for an hour. It gives you 500 watts for an hour. I think you got him.
3: I don't know. I have no idea. I can hold 250 watts for an hour, but I still don't. Wait, are you so saying you keep go, up with
0: Nino? You're saying you could hold <laughs> 250 watts for an hour
3: yeah so can you
0: I know I can, Sir, on, on, Zwift you I can. can. on Zwift <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah. I don't know
3: we'll have to try those power pedals
0: yeah <laughs> I know real life is different yeah, yeah we have to think like Olympics coming up yeah, yeah. yeah. alright everybody do you guys think that you could keep up with Nino if you had an extra 250 watts under you if you had a battery and a motor to help you along could you go for a ride with Nino that's it for this week that's all for episode number nine catch us next time see you later